0: welcome to Ridiculously Imperfect. I'm Emily. And I'm Kelsey. And we are here to share life stories while embracing our imperfections. Each episode, we dig deep into the highs and lows of life, tackling topics with authenticity and humor. Our stories are meant to be told, not buried. Join us in being Ridiculously Imperfect. Hey, 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 welcome back. Hello, hello.
1: How are you today? Oh, uh, it's fine. Everything is fine. It's fine. and So we're recording this on a Friday, and I have a kid with a sprained ankle, but I'm doing bunny ears, sprained ankle for people (laughs) listening in. Do you know what that is? What bunny ears? I've been wanting to do that. Margo (laughs) told me about it, so (laughs) I did. I did air quotes, and Margo told me about the phrase bunny ears. Oh, I've never heard it called that. I had to stop her. And I'm like, because we were on the phone. I'm like, what are you talking about? What what are, what are bunny ears? And then she said that she heard it and thought it was really funny. And she goes, I bet Kelsey doesn't know what it is. So just slide it into one of your next episodes. And this was like a month ago. And I completely forgot until just now.
0: I mean, I could see you doing it. So I knew what you were doing. But I was like, because little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest. I mean, I don't know. I've never heard it called bunny ears. Which is also a really sad
1: song. Is it? Yeah. Yes. We have a guest. I should say before we get too deep into our bunny ear conversation, we have a guest in the room. Do you want to say hi?
2: Hi. (laughs) This
1: (laughs) is our guest. Yeah. Hello, Chelsea. Chelsea. Hello, (laughs) Chelsea Ricewick. She is joining us as our special guest today. uh, But we will get to that very soon. So if you hear a third voice, that is that is Chelsea with us. And actually, we have four people. Well, four breathing individuals. No, no. Well,
0: she is the
1: dog. My dog Ellie is back. Ellie is back, and she looks incredibly excited <laughs> to be part of <laughs> yes. this. Yes, she's just going to slumber right through. <laughs> Got a snoozing face. Okay, so Beckett is my kid, and I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but he, when he actually gets hurt, it's hard to believe him, the whole boy who cried wolf thing. And I know that you two can understand this knowing him, but... He's one of those that will very much overreact to whatever happens. Well, yesterday he sprains his ankle or rolls his ankle, whatever. Maybe it's the same thing playing basketball with Knox and he is limping through the house and I'm starting to get a little annoyed because I'm like, dude, come on, toughen up. And then I'm noticing like whenever he realizes that I'm not paying attention, he's still doing it. And he, and so then we went to Knox's musical last night. And so Jacob and I have a rap because You know, we get hurt a lot. So I go to the wrap drawer and get the ankle wrap specifically. And I wrap it for him. And he said, it helps. This morning, he was still limping so bad. And he's already my kid who cannot stick to a timetable. And so I'm like, dude, your allergy shots at eight. We have to be out the door at 750. It's spirit day at schools. And he wanted to dress fancy. It was dress fancy spirit day. So he just, it was a morning, which is why I look incredibly beautiful. Oh, same (laughs) here. Yeah, just giving you a heads up when we take a little selfie of the three of us, <laughs> I need to like blur out my face. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no,
0: Not I'm true. You're so photogenic no matter what. Oh, Always. Oh, that's
1: so nice. Thanks.
0: So true. But how was your oh, guys this guy. morning? Oh, well, he'll be fine. Well, actually,
1: we did have a game plan that if by Monday he is still acting like it hurts, we'll probably get him in to get an x ray. Yeah. But I'd I just. I ice it a lot. Well, and that's the thing too is I told Jacob, I'm like, we do you remember getting really bad sprains in sports and stuff? Like it takes several days to even feel like you can really walk on it. And I think we're both just kind of forgetting how much they hurt.
0: Yeah. But, my most recent one was yeah. not, I mean, maybe three years ago and it was in a McDonald's parking lot. <laughs> and we went to, we just needed ice teas, and the drive through was too long. So I told my mom, I'll just hop out and run in and get some. Well, I didn't look down and I just jumped out of the car and it was a massive pothole. Oh. And it, my ankle literally went like flat to the side. Oh. It was horrible. And my mom was like, Kelsey, where'd you go? Cause I just <laughs> fell to <onto> the ground <laughs> and I was like, mom, you got to help me. And I was just crying oh. and that was a deal. So we did the whole thing wrap, but I couldn't put any weight on it. It was bad. Okay. Well, that yeah. that gives me They're more confidence that he's and not being a faker. Is it swollen? I don't mind. Not really. So swollen. But yeah, they are not fun and they do, they yeah. take a while and you kind of gotta baby it and he'll, yeah. <laughs> he's much younger than I was at the time though. So he'll bounce back very quickly. <laughs> but yeah. my, I had a good morning. Good. So yeah. Know, how about you, Jill? I burned my finger. Oh man. <laughs> Doing like on a.
2: On my strainer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I grabbed fun. the hot hair afterwards and I was like, oh, that was not oh, fun. Double whammy. Yes. Yeah. That's the part of
0: beauty. It can be dangerous. It can. With all these hot tools. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I spilled my cup of hot coffee in my lap last week on <laughs> my way to work. That was oh, fun. That's scary. Uh-huh. I didn't. Actually, I hadn't left yet. So we were getting in the car. So I should rephrase this. We were getting in the car and I spilled it. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I had to get out. Take my. Because it was like, it'll keep the heat in. Yes. Take my pants off and change my clothes. And Yeah. Not a good day. That was not a good day. It also makes me feel better about the fact that I don't
1: drink hot drinks (laughs) because I'm cutsy and I would be the one spilling it everywhere. Uh Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we, as we said, have Chelsea here today. And do you want to share a little bit like overarching, overarching topic wise what we are here to talk about?
2: So, as they said, my name is Chelsea and How do you uh, know us? Maybe we should do that too. Oh, how do I know you? Yeah. Well, I guess if they Oh, I guess you didn't necessarily say how I knew you in the first episode. Second ep- Which episode was that? I don't know. It might have been But Chelsea first. is our connector. We did talk yes, about that. Yes. You are our connector. So, yeah, yeah. um I know both of these fabulous ladies from church. Kelsey and I um actually found out that we lived across the street from each other. After we no longer lived across the street from each other. Um, And uh, we've done life together for a very long time. And then we got lucky and Emily made her appearance at our church. And um, actually a mutual friend connected Emily and I together. Yes, that's true. Yep. And um, I've loved her since day one. Oh. I've loved Kelsey since day 1 too. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I know both of these fabulous ladies. That's good to hear because I didn't think you guys
1: liked me. Oh <laughs> Not, you're Not so you. Not funny. Not you. I thought Jason didn't like me because of me being myself. And well, so
0: I was like, well, it comes with the territory. Jason's just hard to read sometimes. <laughs> it's fine. I think he also takes his time to kind of decide. <clears throat> That's probably true. He really likes to gather information.
1: So Jason is her husband, and the first time that I really talked to him is at this mutual friend's house, and she had us all over for dinner, and we were in process of starting to talk about adoption and tell people that we were doing it, and he asked if we were going to adopt out of the United States, and I gave a very clear answer, which is my belief, but it's not against anyone who does adopt out of the U.S. because I think that's wonderful, and. At some point, that would be amazing. But for us at that point in time, we were just like, there are so many kids stateside who need a home, especially babies. And that's just where our heart's at. So it's just not an interest of mine at this point in time to get a baby from another country, get a baby to adopt a child from another country. And so then almost right after that, I was like, so what do you do for work? And he goes, oh, I run a nonprofit in another country. Yeah. (laughs) that sounds like how and he would respond like, yeah cool, cool 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 um I'm gonna go get more water and it's been really good chatting <laughs> <with you.
2: laughs> and keep in mind we don't
1: have like very many friends our age at that point in time so I was like way to go Emily you blew it I well I now you've
2: inspired us to adopt inside of the country so there Ooh, yay! yay. <laughs> oh, I love that
1: so much okay so what are we here to talk
2: about So we are here to talk about the most fun thing in the world, which is depression and anxiety.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's me a downer. downer. And it's, that's really what we're going to talk about, even though
2: Chelsea laughed through most of that (laughs) sentence. It's my coping mechanism.
0: And that's that's okay. okay, I
2: turn everything into humor in in inappropriate times. Uh, That's okay. I mean, I do (laughs) that too. I think it's so
0: important to talk about this. Yeah. Um, for so many different reasons for your own personal healing and journey and then to share with others because we get caught in these places of I'm all alone and nobody else understands or nobody mm-hmm. else is in that, yeah. you know, with me. And um so thank you for coming today and just talking with us about this. I think it will help us and um others too. So I'm yeah. so excited for that. Me too for you to share your journey.
1: Absolutely. And I one thing that I know you and I talked about the other other day, Chelsea was from my perspective, a lot of what your journey has been, I don't personally understand, but that's why I appreciate you being so authentic with me because then I feel like it does create a space for me to have more of a, oh my gosh, this is truly how she's feeling, a bigger sense of understanding and empathy. And I want to be a good friend to you. And I feel like a lot of people probably have friendships like that, where if you don't get it it's really easy to be cynical or to just be like oh well that's their journey so I'm not even going to tap into that I'm not going to ask them about that because it's just it might be too uncomfortable for them
0: mm-hmm. and, and kind of just disconnect that portion of your relationship yeah um and stay away from it which is then not healthy either because it right. leaves the person in it also feeling like you know, they can't be open and vulnerable and you're fully yourself.
2: Mm -hmm. Right
0: So I love that you just made that point because it's, that is very true.
1: And I do feel like I personally have encountered anxiety more as I'm getting older, but the depression side, I haven't really. And so that's why I just, I truly love how even our drive home from, I almost said Oklahoma. We've never been to Oklahoma together. Nebraska. Next. <laughs> oh.
2: we'll make a We'll make an Apple video. <laughs> oh my gosh. That Brad can make
1: fun of. Um, so on our drive home from Nebraska together, you opened up and told me so many things that I had never, it had never clicked with me or I just, I did not know. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what you don't know, which right. used to annoy me when well, people say that. Well, and I was that, right was in the middle of
2: a battle at that yeah. point too. So yeah. Yeah.
1: So can you take us back to when do you feel like the first time was that you were sensing these emotions or maybe that like retrospectively you were like, oh, I was this age and that's probably what was going on, but I didn't know Mm
2: it. Um, That's actually a really good question because I actually believe that the very first time that I experienced this was when I was 17. Um, but I didn't know, I didn't realize that that's what I was going through at 17 until I went through it again. Um, I actually went through it twice before I, before I finally, it was the third time going through it that I realized, and I got, I had medical people speaking into my life at, at that point. Um, which is an, like, that's another, another story that I can talk about later, but, um, I had people speaking that were able to speak in and tell me like, this is probably what's going on. And then after, after identifying that and getting diagnosed and getting help with medication and everything, looking back, I was able to realize like, Oh my gosh, when I was 17 and I went through this period, that was probably depression. And I had no idea. And my parents had no idea. They did the absolute best that they could to support me um, with, you know everything that was in their tool belt. Yeah, but the thing about depression is that it manifests itself in many different ways. And I was brought up in the church. I you know if the church doors were open, we were there. That was that was my family. Um, and my mom volunteered at our church, worked at our church. Her uh, father was um, a worship pastor for years and years and years. So for me, the way that depression manifested itself was it made your brain. This is something that I've been doing a lot of research on. Your brain thinks thoughts that it has already thought because it makes creases in your brain. And the more that you think a thought, the more you're going to think that thought. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's really important to know because... In depression, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone with depression or anxiety, but for me, when um, when those thoughts start coming, you feel an emotion, and you want to understand why do I feel like this. So your brain starts trying to um, reconcile and pinpoint, okay, this is why or this is why. And for me, it was a lot of spiritual warfare, and um, it it felt very isolating because. I didn't know why I was thinking things I was thinking or why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And, um, my parents, you know, did their best to try and help me. I remember sleeping a lot. Um, I had a job as a lifeguard and that was actually super helpful for me because I was out in the sun Mm -hmm. and they played really uplifting, like, you know, fun music. And so when I was at work, it was easier. And I would sit in the sun, you know, do my job, listen to fun music. Um, But as a 17-year-old, none of my friends, I didn't think any of my friends would understand what I was going through. So I didn't talk to anybody but my parents. I was scared to talk to anybody else because I just, you know, I thought I was, I thought something was wrong with me. I thought it was my fault that I felt like that. I thought I'd done something wrong. Um... And that's a theme that continued even like other times, the other two times that I like went through like experiences Um, and, you know, eventually it went away and um, then I didn't have another, I guess, round of that until um, we went to Peru
1: So you're in high school, do you get medicated in high school or it wasn't until
2: after? I did not get medicated in high school um, because nobody, that was never even a question. I didn't see any doctor about it. I did not see a therapist. Um, It was literally just a lot of chatting with my parents and actually um, my friend, I had gone to youth group with her and we were at a camp um, and I did talk with her um, youth pastor um, but again, like, and back in the day, um, <laughs> mental health was not nearly as, um, talked about right? Yeah. as it is now. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm a huge advocate for that. Um, because now I believe if a 17 year old was going through, you know, the same thing that I was going through, I would be much more quickly to say, we need to like, this sounds like a. Like we need to talk to a doctor. We need to yeah. talk to a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, not that youth pastors don't have great—they're <laughs> great, right? Mm-hmm. But they are—they are—they have a specific job set, right? Right. And I am—I'm a firm believer that you go to the right professional for whatever it is that you're going through. Yeah. Right. And that would have been better for me had we known that. That's. Yeah. But we just—we did, just didn't have the tools. We didn't know, and that's why I think talking about it is so important because especially if you're the parent of a child and you as a parent have never experienced that then you don't know what to look for because you've never been through it Mm -hmm, you know so I just think it's just empowering to have like that knowledge of what it could look like you know so that you can be um in your child's corner the best that you can be yeah
1: yeah that makes sense so can you describe because I know you've described this to me when people hear the word depression, they think sad. Yes. Can you describe what it means to you? Like the emotions, the physicality, like what, when you feel that way, and, or maybe even how you felt in high school, like, can you tap into any of that?
2: Um, so I would say one of the most common themes for me anytime that I am uh, or have felt depression would be... It's kind of an out-of-body experience, actually, because I literally feel like I'm two different people. And I used to mm. say that when I was really struggling. I would say there's normal Chelsea and then there's depressed, anxious Chelsea. And they are completely two different people because they don't think the same way, they don't feel the same way, they don't act the same way. Um, at least in my in my mind, I, I feel like they're very different. Um, so in high school... You know, it was a lot of I was really tired and sleep was one of the ways I could escape, if Mm. that makes sense. So if I was sleeping, I wasn't thinking, right? I was dreaming or whatever, you know, Um, and that's actually probably been very common. A common symptom um, anytime that I've had those experiences is wanting to escape by sleeping um, because that quiets the voices or the feelings um, And then it's less time dealing with it when you're awake. Um, and it's just like this. I, it's like a feeling in your chest, like something's sitting on you and something's bothering you. But you have no idea what it is. And you are trying so hard to figure out why do I feel like this? Yeah. And the problem is that your brain tries to rationalize why you're feeling the way you're feeling. But it's a chemical for most people that have been like who are diagnosed with depression and anxiety, they have a chemical imbalance. You can't fix that with, you know, like you're not gonna be able to fix that by yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. At least I don't, I don't think so. Um, and so it's just, just this, like, like being in a dark room by yourself, even though there's all these people around And for me, I'm a very, like, I love to have fun. I love to, you know, be around people. Um, And at the beginning, I think it felt more like, like being alone, but not being alone. I don't know if that makes any sense. But feeling like I was alone and trying to be a part of something, but I couldn't fully immerse myself in whatever was going on.
0: So do you step back from being with your people
2: and being surrounded
0: by people when you're in it, or do you still go and like to do those things, but you feel like you're not immersing yourself?
2: So I would say probably a little bit of both. Um, For me, I actually feel (laughs) uh, this might sound weird, but I feel like I am blessed that I have the personality that I do because I because I am extroverted and because I'm somebody who wants to just like I want to just have fun all the time I want everything to be fun so anytime that I've experienced that I end up like I can't not talk about it because I also have some OCD behaviors and thoughts and so my thought, my brain gets stuck on a thought and it's a thought loop and it can't let go of it until mm. I talk it through with somebody else. And I, and they can help me rationalize that thought and recognize that, you know, it's not true or it doesn't mean anything. Um, and so because of my personality, I tend to talk to people about it. Um, I am very, guarded on who I talk to because I have learned, because I'm a talker, I have learned that not everyone is safe to share those emotions with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's really important to find your people and also finding people who have had those similar experiences because, um, when I, when I went through, um, the third time that I had an episode, um, and I finally realized, like we finally realized that it was depression. Um, I was very lucky to have a mentor in my life that had gone through some very similar experiences, and so she was a lifeline for me because she was able to help me realize, like it's not my fault, you know, and also just give me hope for the yeah. future because mm-hmm. she was on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, but interestingly enough. Um, I do think that, you know, because it's something that I I have lived with now for gosh, at least diagnosis-wise, like 9 years, a little over 9 years. Um, and so there are times when it's not really bothering me that much, but it's just enough nagging at me that I'm not myself. And instead of sharing that with friends or even my husband, I like try to, I know I have tools, right. That I can use like in my, in my mind, like, okay, I know what to do. Um, and instead of like sharing with people like, Hey, I'm having a harder day today. I just try to muscle through it. And I realized that a couple weeks ago, I was like, I am not really, sh- I haven't really shared that I'm struggling a little bit more than normal right now. And I just think it's important that even like it, when you're on that journey, that you don't stop opening up to people. Yeah, you don't retreat. That's sometimes I think easier. We're like, okay, I'm just gonna retreat. I'll figure it out myself. Like, I'll be fine. That's kind in of a, a little dangerous while. place to go,
0: though. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But
2: it's a slippery slope because then you know you get trapped. And especially for people who don't naturally want to have those conversations, or maybe they're introverted. You know, I just think it's really important if that's um, if mental health is something that you are struggling with being able to be vulnerable and open up to the right people is such a lifeline. I mean, I would not, I know for certain that had I not had the people in my life that I did and do still that there are time it would have just taken me out. Like, I think I would have been in a mental hospital or I would have had to have been like, I would have had to go to like, you know, um, a rehabilitation center or something to get help because that's how bad it got at times. If I, and if I didn't have those people, I, there's no way I would have been able to stay out of that slippery slope, I guess. Yeah.
0: So can you, um, talk about the third time? Like what was there, um, a time in life or, In your adult life when you had, when it came back to lead you then to get a diagnosis and, um, and the
2: journey that you're on now with it. So, um, I had, had my first child and he was born in April and it was around December, maybe even November, that I started, I think it was December though. And it came on pretty fast, actually. Um, I had, everything had been totally fine. I hadn't had any issues. My pregnancy was fine. Um, And then, um, so he was about eight months old. I think that's right. Um, And I, like, it just kind of hit me like a freight train. And all of a sudden, I was just like, I was so not myself. I was, everything scared me. <laughs> I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of dying. I was afraid of the world ending. I was afraid of like just everything. Like my whole, ev- everything, it was like I had on glasses and the glasses were fear, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So did it like paralyze you or it did you just get stuck me. in the thought process
0: of that how you talked about earlier
2: um i it it was so bad that i couldn't eat hardly anything and i was nursing my son i completely lost my milk supply which made things worse because then i was panicking like how am i gonna feed my baby he had never i don't think he had ever had a bottle before that um luckily (laughs) i had been pumping a lot because i had thought i was gonna go back to work so i was you know this crazy pumper that (laughs) was like, I have to pump, I have to build up my milk supply. Um, but luckily because I did that, he had, we didn't have to buy any formula or anything like that. Like he had bottles and he ate, you know, and I continued to pump, even though nothing was coming out, I continued to pump as he was taking a bottle or I would try to nurse him and like nothing would come out. And that's not normal for me. Like I, nursing was very easy for me. Um, so I lost probably about 10 or 15 pounds in like, I don't know, maybe like two weeks. Like it was not good. Um, And again, all I wanted to do was sleep because that was the only way I could escape this feeling of fear. Um, And, you know, in my mind, I tried to justify why am I feeling like this? Like what's happening? I did something wrong. I deserve to be punished. Like that's what was going through my head was you know, all these really negative thoughts that were not true. Um, But, you know, we hadn't been down the mental health journey train yet. And so everyone in my life was doing their absolute best to, like, support me and help me. Um, And I remember it was when, if everybody remembers, when um, the Mayan calendar ended. It was like, what, December 21st or something like that of 2012 something it was like somewhere sometime in december in 2012 oh my gosh
1: that's right yeah i'm
2: remembering now you know most of the world is like oh ha ha like we are about all of those things right well i was in the middle of this like fear thing and for me like that kind of stuff is very triggering for me and that's one of the things that i've learned i have learned what my triggers are and um now i know to just stay away from them but at that time that was very triggering to me and I was like, this is silly. I know that there's like rationally this, I should not be afraid of this. And so in my mind I was like, okay, once we make it through that day, then I, this will go away. Cause I was I was convinced that I was just like so scared of this mind calendar thing. Well, the day came and went, surprise, surprise. <sighs> and I still felt the same. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's not what I was afraid of. <laughs> and um i think i was in a lot of denial i had my my mentor actually that had gone through the similar experience said to me she was like have you considered that this could be a medical problem and Mm. i like anytime somebody brought that up to me i i I just said no there's Mm -hmm. no way it's that easy that was my thought there's no way it's that easy that's an easy solution this is i'm a mess and it's my fault that I'm a mess and it's my fault that I feel like this and I have to fix it. That was kind of my mindset. Nobody else can fix it. Only I can fix it. And why do you feel like that's what your perspective was? You know, I honestly, I'm not sure why, why I I really don't know why. Um, I don't know if there was something, you know, that I, that I heard growing up that I like buried subconsciously that made me think that that was the case. Um, I think part of it is probably that mental health really was not talked about when we were growing up. And if it was, it was as a joke or it was making fun of someone, Yeah, you know, um, like making jokes like, Oh, they're off to the loony bin or, you know, Mm -hmm. like, um, making fun of mental hospitals. And after visiting a mental (laughs) hospital, um, and seeing like what they really did, like, it's not, it's it's not a joke. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. um, And I, I, you know, I still make jokes, like, don't get me wrong, but I think that it's really like, that is what it is, is talking about it, getting like, getting it normalized and understanding that there's nothing wrong with you. Well, there is actually something wrong with you, but it's not (laughs) your fault. Right. Right. It can be fixed. Right. (laughs) So you felt like you're probably a
1: little defensive.
2: Yeah. I think I was, I, and I, I honestly, I think I was just in major denial and I, I, I don't know. I think it's very self-deprecating. Oh, yeah, of course. Especially when someone comes to you with love. Yes. And they're saying, hey,
1: I'm telling you this because I want you to know I love you. Right. And I think that this could be beneficial. And those are some of the hardest conversations to have ever. Mm-hmm. And so that is the hard part because I know that people have come to me with things and my knee-jerk reaction is to be defensive. Right. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what it is. I'm fine. So, yeah. I, and I think that's a
2: very human response. The yeah. response that you had to that. So I knew that I wasn't fine, but I, I think that the biggest thing was I was convinced that I deserved, I had done something wrong and I deserved for whatever, whatever I'd done wrong, I deserved to feel the way that I did. It was my fault.
1: Mm.
2: Um, and it wasn't until, so my friend had, you know, mentioned to me, I think more than once, honestly, And then my father-in-law is a uh, family practice uh, doctor and he had actually mentioned it to me too. And like, and to my husband and just said, Hey, you know, this kind of sounds like postpartum Um, and, you know, had given us a prescription for me um, and we, we hadn't gotten it filled Actually, I think maybe my husband had gotten it filled like just trying to be proactive, but he didn't push it on me, um, which I think is important. Like he was listening to me and letting me guide that that part. And I will never forget. We were getting ready to go to a Christmas party, an ugly sweater Christmas party. And Christmas and holidays, every all the like my husband, and I both like we love Christmas. We love the holidays. Like there's just something magical about it. And I remember being so upset that I was feeling like this during the holidays. And um, so we were supposed to be going to this Christmas party and I was standing in our kitchen. My pulse started racing and like I couldn't catch my breath and I felt like physically sick and something clicked in my head. And I was like, I told my husband, I was like, you need to call your dad. And he said, why? And I was like, something's not right. So he, I, we call his dad and I tell him what's going on. And he said, Chelsea, you're having a panic attack. And I said, oh. And he said, you need to go sit in your bed, turn on something relaxing, and you can breathe into a paper bag and you're going to get started on medication because you are having a panic attack and you have postpartum depression. And it wasn't until I had the panic attack that I finally was able to realize that there was something physically wrong with my body. Um, it was the first time you felt it. It's the first. No, actually, it wasn't the first time I physically felt it. I had physically felt it like since the beginning. It, I was nauseous, sick to my stomach. I, My hands, my the palms of my hands get very um, tingly. And they make me want to, it makes me want to clench my fist. So I press my fingernails into my palms. Like it just is very uncomfortable feeling. Um, and I had had that for probably two weeks where I'd been clenching my fist, clenching my hands because that was the only thing that made them feel better. It, it, it and you know, now that I think back on it, I probably had adrenaline, like just pumping through my veins and, you know, cortisol and all of the yeah bad hormones so, um yeah. <laughs> That's what made me finally I guess kind of take a step back and go something's physically wrong with me. And my father-in-law said you have a brain and your brain is not functioning the way it's supposed to. And I was like, "Okay." And he said, "If you had a broken arm, you wouldn't say, this is my fault. I have to fix it. You would go to your doctor and you would get a cast. right? I was like, oh, that's true. And he said, so your brain is broken right now and your brain needs help getting fixed. So that's why we use, you know, that's why we have doctors. That's why we have medicine. That's why we have therapists. And that was the easiest explanation I had ever heard and it finally took that weight off that it was my fault and my responsibility to fix this. Mm. So, I got started on medication and, you know, it was it didn't kick in completely right away, but I've been on medication off and on ever since.
0: And excuse me. Um, so in that journey then, when did you see how long would you say it took to see kind of the light again where you could feel and see a difference in yourself that, you know, was sick in yourself that, oh, this is how I should feel. Mm -hmm. And this is good.
2: So I think that it's been a long journey and what I've come to realize is that it's probably a journey I will be on in some capacity for probably the rest of my life. And I've stopped fighting that and started accepting it and trying to figure out, you know, how can I use this to help other people? But, um, I would say with medication, um, I had two different types. I had one that builds up in your system over time and I had one that acted immediately Um, and the combination of the two was enough to give me relief immediately. Mm -hmm. I did not completely feel like myself, but that impending doom feeling was not just hovering over me all the time. And I was finally able to just sit and realize, I mean, my husband, I love watching movies and I could not even watch a movie without being in fear. I remember we went to the Hobbit And I, there had been like a shooting in, I think, a Colorado movie theater, Mm -hmm. like weeks or months before or something like that. Oh yeah. And I remember thinking the entire, I could not stop looking behind us in the theater because I was convinced I was like, I have to figure out what I'm going to do if a shooter appears. I mean, it was that kind of stuff. So it wasn't the movie itself. It wasn't the movie. It was like. It was literally just life. Like I was scared Uh, of life because I wanted to live my life, right? Yeah. I didn't want it to be taken away from me, which I think is normal. (laughs) And I, yeah, I just was, I I was just so, I just fear. It was just so much fear. Um, Um. But I think it's also important to know that that's not necessarily what everyone experiences, right? right? Um, You know, that I think can probably, if I had been talking to anyone else who had experienced, mental health issues they would be like oh you're probably you know whatever depressed anxious whatever but um it doesn't always look like that
1: yeah okay i thought you were going to say because the hobbit is a terrible movie and that's why you were in fear <laughs> well you and i are
2: different and i don't so, share your opinion I, i've watched the hobbit again since going to movie theater i probably should i, like I don't it. know if i should give it another
1: chance so my high school boyfriend made me sit and watch all the lord of the rings in one day and I mean I, that's a lot. I don't think that's the best immersion therapy for someone who's not really into that. And so, and he had already read the book The Hobbit at that point in time because back in mid early two thousands. And so, Jake and I go to The Hobbit together, and I had like a vertigo attack. And the next day, like I was in the kitchen talking to my family, and what was coming out was like. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Jacob had to take me to the ER. It was a crazy thing, but it started during the Hobbit movie. So I was like, I have a Hobbit movie story too. So that Jacob and I always joke about that weird time frame in my life where my vertigo was like so bad that I couldn't even talk. It Mm -hmm. was crazy, crazy. So anyway, that's neither here nor there, but sorry if you like the Hobbit for anyone listening, I'm sure it's delightful. I know my sister loves all of those movies.
2: I just like fantasy and the books and see, I do
1: too. So maybe, I don't know. Maybe I should give it another try. We'll see. Um, okay. So (laughs) after that, so did you feel a strain on relationships during this time?
2: Um, during, okay. So when I was going, when I was, when my oldest was, you know, eight months old and going through all that, no, I didn't feel a strain on my relationships then, but because it's been a journey, like, you know, for nine years almost, Um, there have definitely been times that I have felt a strain on my relationship and I think it's just a piece of, it's a piece that I have to, um, account for, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, so, you know, my husband is very supportive, but he, what I realized, um, not at the not at the beginning not probably even at well i guess more of the middle if we're talking about from the beginning to now um that i didn't realize how much it affected him to feel like he had to be strong for me all the time yeah um and he felt like if he was having a bad day or if he was feeling you know anxious about something he couldn't share it with me because i couldn't handle it mhm and the reality is i probably couldn't have handled it you know? Um, and that is it. I hate that. Um, but that's why I think it's really important to have a community around you so that, you know, all the burden does not go to your spouse, um, or to one person. Um, so for me, you know, we are very blessed to have like community around us and, I don't think that that's the case anymore. I think that now we've got people that that we can um, share our burdens with. My parents have always been fantastic at being able to share that burden with. So I've always been able to share that with my parents and my sister and um, and my husband. But... You know your spouse you're living with them and they get the brunt of it right because they see you every single day um most likely and um so that's where you know having like that community that physical community because you know we especially in this um we're now getting to post pandemic isn't everybody excited about that yeah. but <laughs> during the pandemic you know very virtual um, and I just think that virtual is great. Don't get me wrong. Virtual is how I stay connected with my parents and my sister, but there, you still need that physical connection with people because that's what we were designed to do. Yeah. We were designed to live life with people, I believe. So, um, that is probably the biggest thing I could encourage anyone struggling with mental health is to find a community that will support you that can handle sharing your burdens with so that, you know, all of the weight isn't on you all the weight is isn't on your spouse or your kids or whoever it is that you're with. And especially if you're alone, um, because that's what's going to get you through to the other side. And then the best thing is that when you're on the other side, then you're able to shoulder that burden for other people. Um, And I will say this, Um, going through this really increased my empathy for anyone like struggling with mental health and just wanting so badly to be able to help like tell anyone like, It gets better. Like, I promise it gets better. And you know what? You might have days where it gets worse again, or you might have seasons where it gets worse again. I have. And it's not fun, and it's really frustrating, and you might get really angry, but that's okay. It's okay to get angry about it, and just to keep pushing through and keep sharing and keep seeking help because it's worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you're here today where you can talk about it
0: and share and... Um, own it to you. and I'm so proud of you because we've seen you on this whole journey and been um, by your side and at different times um, whatever it was you needed or at times we probably didn't even know and we weren't there so um, to just encourage that to reach out and find those people mm-hmm. and just have an open like you know conversation you may not know what to say to me I might not even know what to say to you but that you just know we're always there. Yeah. And to believe that. And I think there might have been a time where you had a hard time even believing that. But then to see your growth in they're really telling the truth. Like mm-hmm. these people really love me and they are here. Mm-hmm. And now we can have that open and you know, you can you don't even have to tell us. You can send us a text, "Hey, I'm having a hard day." Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we're praying for you or whatever yeah. that would be. Yeah. So, um find those people, find a doctor or somebody that you can reach out and talk yes, to all of the above just <laughs> about the feelings so that you can figure it out and not be in your own head because yep. that is such a yep. dangerous place to be like we said you know you talked about how you get to a place where okay i'm i'm better i'm doing better and if i get some thoughts i can or having harder days i can work it out myself mm-hmm. and you feel yourself like pulling back and not reaching out mm-hmm. to just really remember that's not the safe place to go right yeah yeah and to always have those open lines of communication yep so
2: I think it's important to have, like, to be able to figure out, like, what your tools are, Um, and for me, that happened by going to a therapist, Um, and it wasn't until, I did not go to, I probably should have gone to a therapist sooner, but I was so, because of my, uh, the way that my thoughts manifest, I was very nervous to go to I was very it was hard for me to trust anyone that was not in my circle already Um, because you know I just I just didn't I, I didn't want someone to basically say I guess I thought they were gonna tell me I was crazy.
0: You felt like you are being kind of judged, maybe.
2: Or judged, or even just like dismissive of my beliefs. Okay. That's what I was afraid of, because I still, to my core, felt like, you know, my beliefs are, you know, are true. Right. And I, but, but I was scared, my, the way that I was feeling that fear made me feel like, you know, questioning, doubting, whatever. I didn't want to go to somebody that was going to, you know, make me feel like my, my fears were true, or my thoughts were true, which... Now I realize any reputable doctor or therapist would never do that, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, but at the time I had convinced myself that I couldn't trust anyone. Um, so I finally got to the point where, because the, the fun, I say that sarcastically, thing about depression and then anxiety, and I don't think I had anxiety issues until I had depression, Um, depression came first anxiety came second Um, and um, it was not until we had had to go through some medication changes and um, things weren't working as well and I finally realized I need to talk to someone because I need to figure out how can I deal with these thoughts how can I deal like how can I cope in the midst of trying to get the medication figured out and I was still doing a lot better than like I had. And I kept reminding myself, you have been in way worse. You know, you have felt so much worse. And so that kind of got me through the days, like knowing like it's been way worse and it's been way better. And you know, that way better is coming. So um, the tools that I have in my pocket came from going to that therapist. And she was such a life changer for me. Um I will never forget her. Um, so I like cannot recommend seeking out a professional therapist like more and also, you know, whatever your belief system is, uh, uh, again, a reputable, I would do your research, ask for recommendations from people that you know and trust, um, a reputable therapist is never going to be dismissive of your belief system ever. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is not professional. So I say that because I was convinced that that was not true. <laughs> so I'm saying that for anybody that might be listening, that has had those thoughts, you know, to just encourage you um, to just find someone that you could talk to because it makes such a difference because there are days when, you know, you just need to, for me, it's like being creative. I love being creative. And so Um, And I have found that when I have something to do, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and so it's very easy to just sit in my bed and turn on the TV. Mm -hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Emily and Kelsey know this about me. I love TV. (laughs) I love a good TV show. I love a good movie. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that, but you can get stuck just sitting there watching TV, and then for a while it works and then your thought then it's not stimulating enough mm-hmm. and your thoughts start coming in and you're like ugh and then um you know you're like okay we can either sit here and think like this or we can do something and it's hard yeah. to get up and do something it really is you so, kind of had to learn your limits and your boundaries absolutely
0: so that it didn't go and from something you journey. enjoyed to something that became harmful exactly. and would lead you down yes, the wrong path exactly absolutely
2: though. and for me i have realized too like Um, because I am somebody that enjoys TV, um, I've had to realize like my limits even on what types of shows and movies I'm watching. And, you know, during seasons, there are certain shows and movies that I just love to watch. And there are other seasons where I'm more sensitive and I'm like, okay, that's not a healthy show for me to be watching right now because it triggers this or it triggers that. So I think learning those boundaries for yourself um, and then learning what you can do to um, help yourself in those moments, in addition to also having that community, mm-hmm. I think you need all of those things. And there are so many resources now. Yeah. Um. And I think that the world has really—I mean, at least the United States—I think as a whole, mental health, like that stigma, is coming off. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think that you know we've got resources that we didn't have before. Right. And I want to share
1: a couple statistics really quick. So this is from adaa.org, which is Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And so generalized anxiety disorder affects 6.8 million adults or 3.1% of the U.S. population, yet only, only 43.2% are receiving treatment. Women are twice as likely to be affected as men, and it often co-occurs with depression. And then to depression... 264 million people worldwide live with depression in 2017 around 17.3 million adults age 18 or older in the u.s had experienced at least one major depressive episode in the last year and then 6.7 percent of that were adults in the u.s so if that gives anyone context of maybe you haven't personally encountered anxiety or depression to just hear those numbers. I mean, obviously I'm a numbers girl, but that's a, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of people. So, I mean, odds really are similar to cancer. As we discussed a couple weeks ago, you more likely have encountered this or, you know, someone who has, Mm -hmm. because it, it is common Mm -hmm. and it should be talked about. And it, of course, as you just mentioned, we I feel like the ship is going in the right direction now.
2: Right. Yes, absolutely. And
1: and, and I love that younger kids are talking about this more. And mm-hmm. I yes. I still think that's a space that can be totally tapped into even more. Yes, but absolutely. I will say I had a friend that one of her close friends, high school son, took his life. And I reached out to my friend. I, I don't know the mom, but I reached out to my friend and I said, hey, as someone who loves you guys, what can we do to support you? And she said, what you can do is when your kids get home from school, start talking to them right now about their mental health. Mm-hmm. And she said, your boys are not too young. I know that they're seven and eight. That's not too young. You, they need to have a safe space to talk about their emotions, their feelings, and their mental health. And Absolutely. she's like, that's the best thing you can do for me and for this family, mm-hmm. other than you know praying for them and all yeah. of that. But no one had ever said it so bluntly like that to me before. And I think, and it's not like we haven't talked about things like that, but I, I have tended to with my boys to coddle that conversation. Right. Because I'm like, want you to are them. little. Yes. Like you are so little. Yes. But then, you know, they see and hear things on the news that are very real statistics of what's happening right now in the world. And they are little, but they're not dumb. And they're mm-hmm. insightful. And I believe, as most children are, they, they know more than what I think they know. right? Right. And so I just want to encourage anyone else to take that advice that my friend gave me and talk to your kids about it. And maybe you don't have kids, talk to your nieces and nephews, talk to your siblings, like do a kind of like a welfare check, like a mental health check with Mm -hmm. friends and family because I I just so many times have read an article that the family members or friends said, we didn't even know this was happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, And that just tears my heart up. I
2: would say too, um, I, <laughs> I know this will, is not, Emily and Kelsey know this about me. And so um, I cannot, I am not someone who hides my emotions well. So you what? can read my face. <laughs> um, you can read my face pretty well, and my face says a lot, and your body language, and yeah. my body language yeah. says a lot. Um, but also, like, I just, I, I'm just not someone like if you ask me how I'm doing, and I'm not doing good, I'm going to tell you that you know. I'm not doing good. But that is what I have realized that is unique. Yes, yes there are not a lot of people who will tell you actually how they feel. So my advice is especially for those people who are in your community or in your family, those people that you do care about, when like ask them how they're doing and when they say I'm fine, don't accept I'm fine, don't accept I'm okay. Like ask them like, what's going on, Mm -hmm. you know, encourage them to share more and they don't need to share details if they don't want to, but they need to know that it's okay to have those. It's okay to share how you're feeling and it's okay to let somebody carry that burden with you Yeah, Yeah. and be willing to carry the burden with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. When you ask the question,
0: be ready to hear, like not just listen. Or does that go the other way? No, I know what I'm saying. Yeah. But we've gotten so used to just saying, Hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. It's like a passing sort of statement. Mm -hmm. But really with your people get to that place where you ask the question and you really mean it. And the person receiving it knows that they really mean it. They really want to sit and listen and hear and take to heart what you're saying. Yeah. Because there's so many times people say that and I sometimes still pick and choose. Oh, I'm fine. Or I really know that person is really genuine and they're here for it. Like right. I can really open up and be like, yeah. I am a hot mess today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, why? You know, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Yep. Um. And so just know that that question can carry a lot of weight or for people. So right. it's not yeah. just a, Hey, I'm fine. Yeah. Have a great day. Mm-hmm. But there are people who, when you ask that question, they really do want to talk yeah. or they really mm-hmm. need to talk. Right? Yeah. And so, to your point,
1: don't show up equipped with answers just yes. listen, listen and yes. hear them and, and don't offer up oh solutions or but the sun's out and it's finally a nice day and it's going to be 70 degrees here in Kansas today why are you sad yes. like those are the types of things that i have learned are not helpful being a listener and a friend of or family member of somebody going through something like that and I know that Jacob and I have had this conversation about empathy. Well, just because somebody's going through something doesn't make it any less real for them just because you have no context for what's going on. Mm-hmm. So then just sit in a safe space and listen and be a friend, be be a someone that they can just pour some heart time into and just say, like, hey, I'm really not okay. And I mean, I know I've had conversations with people before that where they're like, Oh, you don't want to hear that right now, or we don't have time for that right now. And I, my, I have learned that my response is, okay, if we truly don't have time for this right now, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Let's yeah. make time. Yeah. yeah. Because I understand if you like, let's say we're at a the a chief's game, hang out in a backyard and we're watching, actually we never are in the backyard. It's always cold <laughs> <If> we're <laughs> in the house watching a game. And there's a group of people in the kitchen and someone were to say something like that. I totally get it when it's not at the time or place that makes sense. And yeah. you don't ever want to like bombard somebody and All of that, because I know like you have a specific subset of triggers. Well, Mm -hmm. everyone is going to have their own specific subset of triggers. And so I think that just like recognizing, hey, I see you and I want to make time and space for you. Because I mean, we just
2: that just happened this week. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing like you talking about that um, just reminds me that. Because Emily, you know, saying, OK, I've never personally experienced this, um, but I want to be there for you. That is something that is, so, I think, for someone who has been in the that position where, you know, I have had episodes, I have had anxiety attacks, you know, that is so good to hear. Like you, like just telling someone I can't understand, I can't completely understand what you're going through. I mean, my own mom has had to say that to me many times. Um, it does not bother me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It does. All it does is make me feel like they care about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They care. They don't know exactly what I'm going through, but they care so much about me. And just knowing that somebody cares about you is so helpful. And as someone who, um, has depression and anxiety, um, it it is I think the two things that are so like if you feel like you you need to say something to someone I'm sorry you're going through this it sucks that must be really hard and there's hope Hmm. there's hope um so you validate and encourage I think validating and encouraging are so because I think letting them know like yeah this is real for you I get that and it does suck, and I'm so sorry that you're going through this and and helping them to know like I know it might not feel like it now, but you know, um, my friend Chelsea on the ridiculously imperfect <laughs> podcast said that there's hope yes, and there. she's gone through it. so <laughs> well I, and I think that that's okay yeah. to share with them because they that's what that to me, I pray for that every single day. I'm like, God give me hope today because that when you have hope, you have the strength and the will to keep pushing through whatever it is you're going through. Mm -hmm. When you lose hope, that's when you start to retreat.
0: Yep. And so that giving them the validation and the hope is empowering. Exactly. Instead of, it's so nice today. The sun's out. Smile. Yeah. Mm That's not true. Yeah. That is the opposite of. That steals their hope. Yes. Puts them back in the dark room and just dismisses everything that they're feeling.
2: It goes more towards the, what's wrong with you? This is your fault. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. know, that's where people start feeling like that. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, yeah, what is wrong with me? Why don't I feel X, Y, Z? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you have any, as we're getting closer to the end, do you have any... Final bit of advice. So, you've, I love that advice for any friends who want to help encourage and be there is to obviously show up, validate, and encourage. So, anyone who maybe they are sitting in that dark room right now, mm-hmm. or, and maybe it is a high school kiddo, or maybe it's a, you know, a successful career person and they have so much busyness around them, but they just aren't taking the time for themselves. Mm-hmm. Whoever this person is that needs to hear this today, what would you like to say to them?
2: I would say it's more important to make that time for yourself than anything else you could be doing. Um, because it's like the idea. I love this analogy of putting on your own oxygen mask before you put on someone else's oxygen mask. Um, and I'm going to, I know that we, this is not a faith based podcast, but faith is a huge part of my story. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think it's important to note that people, like Christians in particular, I think we tend to um, take on this help all these other people because that's what we're supposed to be doing. And I say supposed to with um, what do we say? Bunny ears? Bunny yeah. ears. <laughs> um, uh, that you should not minimize taking care of yourself um, because you can't love others. It you know if we're talking about faith. You know, we're told to love others as ourselves. Well, if you're not loving yourself, how are you going to love others? Yes. Um, so I just think that that is so important for people to hear. Um, and then, you know, a couple of like resources that I that have been very helpful for me, in addition to um, a good doctor and a good therapist, Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, is a neuroscientist and she has a podcast she has a very active social media account. she has written very many books um, and devotionals. She is very helpful at explaining the science of what is going on and it just it is so helpful to hear oh this is what's happening yeah I'm I'm gonna be okay this can yeah. be fixed. Um, so I think she's a great resource. Um, and then honestly, the Enneagram has really helped me with learning about myself and learning about um, what I can do, like when I'm in the dumps, mm-hmm. other ideas of what I could be like things that, you know, could help me to move the needle a little bit. Right. Um, so those are just a couple of resources that I use Um, in addition to, I think number one is community and doctors, which that includes, I'm including therapists in that. And then the second are these other things. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks
1: so much for being on, but also we didn't mention... Anything about your family? Usually, we ask about that <laughs> in this very, very planned podcast that we have. That is, I mean, scripted. I talked about Jason a little <laughs> you bit, did? Yes. and and I guess Maddox being born. But will you just tell us Maddox really quick caused here? my depression?
2: Just kidding, that is not true. <laughs> so you have two boys. I have two boys, Maddox and Brecken. Um, they are like just <laughs> they make me laugh and sometimes want to pull my hair out and scream. And hug them and dance and then scream again all at the same time.
1: (laughs) I think she just described motherhood. Yes, that was was exactly what I was
2: thinking. And so, and you and Jason have been married. We've been married for 13 years, 13 and a half years. Yeah. We're all going
0: to be the 14 this year. Yeah,
2: 14 for all of us. And crazy story is I would
1: have almost met you in college if I went on my tennis scholarship that I had to Tabor. Yep. Because that's where Chelsea and Jason went was Tabor. And I was supposed to go there, and then had a, a pivot, and then I met Jacob. So, yep, it worked out the way it was supposed to. But and it's Jason just so and I fun. Are high school sweethearts. Yes, yeah. It's just I think it's so fun to hear like the interconnectedness of your people, mm-hmm. like especially because you two lived across the street from each other, yeah. as we mentioned. Well, and then and and one you of your neighbors
2: is Jason's cousin. Yes,
1: yeah. So <laughs> it's just it's so crazy how like this jigsaw puzzle of life sometimes you find pieces that you're like oh my gosh I didn't even know it's right just, it's fun okay so thank you again yes. for talking about angels. this I know it's probably not easy but I appreciate you I think it gets
2: easier the more you talk about it
1: well good yeah and I love it. and obviously that's what we believe that's yes. why we're doing this because we we want people to talk and feel safe and heard and accepted and all of that exactly so, Yeah. Okay. So as you know, we close out each episode with rapid fire questions, which are not rapid or
0: fire. (laughs) They're just three
1: questions. (laughs) We really need to just pick a name and stick with it because they are not rapid fire. No, but I mean,
0: at this point, we might as (laughs) as well just stick with it. I don't know. Yeah, it it is. It's kind of funny.
1: They're elongated. All right. You want to kick us off?
0: Yeah. So Chelsea, you can start. What would you sing at karaoke night?
2: Oh, boy. What would I, you know what I would sing? I would sing Here for the Party by Gretchen Wilson. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Emily. I'm Emily sorry. would be singing it with
1: me. <laughs> I actually do know all the words to that song because my girlfriend did a country music competition at Disney World and it's called the Colgate Country Showdown. She actually won it. Oh my oh God. gosh. Cool. It's, I'll have to, I have her CD somewhere. I'll have to play it for you guys. So I do actually know that song because I got to go with her when she went to that so it was a fun song if it's a belter you like country music yes which i do
0: <laughs> and you can sing yes both of, she can sing. both of these lovely ladies can sing beautifully and they sing for church Thanks. and all the things um i cannot so
2: <laughs> i don't know that i haven't we we don't know that yeah you've never sang for us yeah we should probably fix that
1: we should have a karaoke night that's <laughs> what i was just thinking <laughs> what would you sing
0: um i like big butts
1: oh (laughs) yes okay that is because it doesn't
0: i mean you can sing it and it doesn't have to be beautiful you know oh that's great but i think i do know the words to that one
1: yeah um (laughs) is that even the name of it no it's baby got back yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) that's
2: so funny but everybody knew what you were talking about exactly
1: anyone in our age bracket right that's true well no because then Nicki minaj did a um, like remake of Anaconda. And I'm trying to think if they actually use that phrase. I like big butts, but anyway, so maybe it spans beyond yeah. our generation. Uh, so ugh, this is going to reflect really great on me, but mine would probably be <laughs> the bad touch by the bloodhound gang.
0: I have no clue.
1: <laughs> me either. And I'm not going to sing all of it. You and me, baby ain't nothing but oh mammals. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. That's funny. I love that song. It's Dirty, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it depends on the audience of this cari- this fictitious karaoke night, right? Because if our like kids if are there, family karaoke, I'm not singing that song. Yes. <laughs> but I don't know what I would sing. Probably something annoying like Baby Shark. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Whatever so you would not.
1: <laughs> okay. Second question. Ooh, what motivates you to work hard? Yikes. I'll kick us off since you two both have a very horrified look on your face. (laughs) Um, So me, I love being able to point to something and say, I did that. And it's more of like an external point. So that's why I love like my DIY projects around the house, because I can point to the cabinets in the basement and say, I put those together and point to my fireplace. And I'm the one who painted that. So what motivates me is I think just not necessarily accolades, which are nice, but just the personal fulfillment of being able to say, I did this, you did this, no one else did this for you. This was all you. So I think that's what motivates me.
2: I think what motivates me is, um, as I mentioned before, I like to have fun. So if there is something that, if I work hard and it's going to get me an experience or you know time with friends or um, a trip or something like that, that's probably, or time with family. Yeah. I think that's what would mo- that's what motivates me. Nice. I like to have that in. What about you, Kels? Um, I don't
0: know. I think that's something that's kind of built into me. So I don't know if there's anything that necessarily motivates me. Huh. If I had a specific thing like I was working towards, I would push a little harder. But I feel like in most things, I do. I try to give it my all. And that's just kind of how i was raised work hard play hard yeah and so really in anything i do i try to do my very best i'm also a perfectionist deep down inside which sometimes doesn't always show through but i struggle with it internally <laughs> and so i think that probably pushes me too yeah but yeah
1: all righty last question
0: um what is one thing you cannot go a day without
1: A bra. <laughs> oh, I can definitely go a day without a bra. So I have so many people in my lives who, the second they get home, they take off their bra, and like I'm assuming they usually have a shirt on, or maybe not. I don't care. <laughs> to each, to each <laughs> their own. But everyone who talks about like not wearing a bra and how comfortable it is, oh, I can't. I I even sleep with one on. I and I did talk to my high-risk breast cancer doctor about that and she said it was a myth that if you sleep with it it can potentially make your risk increase for cancer so then that helped me feel better about that but I cannot go without wearing a bra I can't I can't I can't I can't so that's one day one thing I could not go a day without
0: Hmm. I am not that person me get it off as soon as possible yep oh I don't know my coffee that's the first thing I go to in the morning but I have had days where I go without it, but that is my one. Just like, I don't know. There's just comfort in that cup, I guess, (laughs) even if I don't drink it, holding it and it's hot. um, Uh There's just something about that. So
2: yeah, I'm the same.
0: I, that's really important to me.
2: Oh gosh. A day without, I feel like this is a cheesy answer, but I'll say in addition to coffee, laughter, Oh, that's so cheesy. And I don't like cheesy. Things. Well, it's better than a but bra. I, I just like to I, I have to there's to be you guys. I think it's like maybe maybe I need to see a therapist about my addiction for needing to have fun all the time. No, I love that about you. That's just, your personality. I need, I need something. Oh, you know what? This is what I'll say. Color. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly that's what, what I was just answer. thinking about. Color, color, color. I'm yeah. all about
1: Color, yes. even though you are very monochromatic today. I really, but you, which which you is, know why is because I don't of, funeral. No, wait, you wouldn't wear that. To
2: me. <laughs> <laughs> and I already know what you're doing today, so I don't even know why I asked
1: about a funeral.
2: Oh no, my I'm monochromatic today because um, I'm having tummy issues because I just got diagnosed with celiac. Oh, and yeah, this is the comfiest one of the comfiest things that well, I now am. Now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my gosh I'm sorry you're not a jerk okay. oh man
2: see I said I needed laughter Everybody it's a funeral for the it gluten
0: is. it's a funeral for gluten yes. that she cannot have anymore. Yes.
2: oh my gosh yes death we to gluten we should have a funeral for you for Ooh. gluten oh wait <laughs> please have a funeral for
1: me I need to finish this That would actually be a huge trigger, as we just talked about. This is not going well. Oh, oh man! Lately, we've just been a hot mess at the end. Like it's really (laughs) good content, and then it falls apart. (laughs) Oh well, thanks again, Chelsea. We really appreciate it. This is good, and I think it's going to have a wonderful impact with a lot of people. And we actually did have someone reach out to us. Uh, a male who wants to speak about depression as well. So we're hoping if we can ever get our phone situation figured out, that's why we called you that one day, because we were trying to sample, uh, Kelsey and I were recording, and we were trying to sample calling in someone. So we can record
0: from people not living in the Kansas City area.
1: Yeah. And so Isaac even walked us through how to do this. And lo and behold, we can't figure it out. (laughs) So I think the misstep with Isaac was we probably needed to physically call someone and have him in the room to help us like do, I think we got it now. But yeah, we, we think we are almost there, but I need another trial. I'm just excited for that future episode, whenever that will take place to then hear a male's perspective Mm -hmm. of all of that, because I think that will be also incredibly powerful. yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. yeah we just yeah thank you for just your vulnerability and honesty today and just your truth and how much that can impact somebody else in yes. listening to this and just be like um whether it's themselves or even them being able to recognize maybe in someone else around them whether yeah. mm-hmm. it's a friend mm-hmm. or a co-worker or a child yes um it's just so Absolutely. important and just to know the biggest and greatest gift you can do for someone is just to ask the question yeah. and be mm-hmm. there and then walk alongside them.
2: Yep. Yeah. Whatever it is that yep. support. So,
0: yeah. And you just showing up today was
1: validating and encouraging others. Yes. So thank well, you. Well,
2: thank you. Thanks for yeah. letting me be a part of this. <laughs> yes. It feels very special. For,
1: and we realize this is our 22nd episode. It is going to air on March 22nd. Of, I almost said 22nd, March 22nd of 2022. So we know in February there was a Tuesday, but this is our special. Yeah, it's our version of Tuesday. I I just can't believe we're at 22 episodes. I know. It's crazy. It's so exciting. It kind of feels like we just started. It does. Kind of. But then it kind of doesn't. Yes, I don't know. And then also send us those vacation stories. We had so much fun last week reading them. Oh my gosh. It was a blast. And we've gotten a couple more since then. So please continue to do that. That you, The timer has not run out on that. We just, again, we had so, so much fun with it. It might be like a reoccurring theme at yes. some point. So That'd be right. yeah, if you've got a crazy story, funny story, scary, anything in between of vacation stories, you send us your stories. We read them. We talk about it. We laugh. We don't talk about you, but we talk about the story. Yes. (laughs) It was just a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's it. Great. Is that it? Yeah. Is that where we're at? Have a lovely day, ladies. Thank you. You too. And until next time,
2: keep keep it ridiculously ridiculously imperfect.
1: imperfect. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Ridiculously Imperfect. You can find us on Facebook at Ridiculously Imperfect, on Instagram at Ridiculously Imperfect Podcast, or at
0: RidiculouslyImperfect.com. This podcast is produced by Emily Eaton and Kelsey Foster. Our sound engineer is Isaac Moreno with Kingdom Come Studios. Until next time, keep keep it it ridiculously ridiculously imperfect. imperfect.